Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Welcome back to the podcast, Jarrett Kurzoska. I'm glad to be talking with you. Thank you, Matthew Winter. Thanks for having me back. How do you tell your story? How do you share it with the world? What do you keep private? What do you reveal? And what happens to you in the process? This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 469. I'm your host, Matthew Winter. Today I'm joined by Jarrett J. Krasoska, the cartoonist responsible for Hey Kiddo, How I Lost My Mother, Found My Father, and Dealt With My Family Addiction. You may know Jarrett from his best-selling Lunch Lady graphic novel series, The Platypus Police Squad, or from the Jedi Academy books that bear his name, not to mention his many wonderful picture books. But today, we're focusing on something a little different. Hey Kiddo is Jarrett's graphic memoir, and it's intended for an older audience. A warning to listeners with young children, there are curse words in this episode that we do not bleep. Actually, side note, these occur during the times when Jarrett and I are reading excerpts from the book, and they're some of my favorite moments in the conversation. Before we get into it, thank you to our sponsors, Gallery Nucleus and Storyteller Academy, the Highlights Foundation, and Viz Media for helping make today's episode possible. You'll be hearing more about them later in the show. And now please welcome my guest, Jarrett J. Krasoska, the cartoonist of Hey Kiddo, How I Lost My Mother, Found My Father, and Dealt With My Family Addiction. It's, it's, it's been a time, and I have known about you working on this book. I believe, I did not re-listen, but I believe you mentioned that you were working on this brand new book, Hey Kiddo, uh, since since we last talked. And um, I'm so grateful to have read it a couple times. I'm so grateful that we get to talk about it tonight. So thanks again. Thanks, Matt. You know, I, yeah, I was trying to figure out when exactly we spoke last, and I just had to figure out my 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 second pug was a puppy, a brand new puppy because he was Aww. snoring. He was snoring on the podcast, so that was at least a couple three three years ago, if not four. No, three years ago maybe. I just remember thinking the conversation's so cute, so good, and the pug is cute. Let's just keep it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was right. And I do, <laughs> I do love that conversation. And we had. At that point, uh, you had had finished your run of Lunch Lady, and you had been um, publishing some new picture books. And and uh, Platypus Police Squad was on. I don't know, maybe two or three. There was stuff happening, but stuff has continued to happen. And um, and it it appears that life has been good to you. Star Wars life has been good to you. Star Wars. I've been working on some Jedi Academy books. Uh, those have been a lot of fun, and uh, we closed out a, a trilogy. And and you know I don't I don't know if you knew but I am collaborating with Amy Ignatow on a new Jedi Academy trilogy. <laughs> I did not know, but that is exciting. Yeah, she's she's so funny. She's the best. Nice. Well, so so you clearly are writing for um, all across the the age range of readers, uh, and what brings us together tonight is for a, a memoir you've written that's that's geared at a much older audience, at a YA audience, um, which is different for you, but yet you feel, it when reading this, it feels like you are so at home talking to that audience, to that age. So, Jarrett, would you mind, uh, in 
so much as you've probably been doing in every interview you've been having. Would you mind sharing uh, a little bit about what Hey Kiddo is all about? Sure. Hey, Hey Kiddo is my graphic memoir about... Um, you know, growing up, being the, the son of someone who was addicted to drugs, uh, being raised by my grandparents. And, you know, uh, it's told from the perspective of my 17-year-old self looking back at childhood and uh, those awkward middle school years and the teen years and, you know, grappling with what family is and, you know, uh, coming to terms with the realities at hand and falling in love with art and, and using art as a a, a device to really just escape the realities and deal with the realities and, and, and buoy your, your oneself through life. This is one of the neatest ways that I've ever gotten to know someone that I knew. And I really appreciated <laughs> that. I felt like I thought I knew Jarrett and there's so much more that I didn't know. And so much more that you, that you really share with us. You really open yourself up. You really leave yourself vulnerable. The subtitle of this book, how I lost my mother found my father and dealt with family addiction um, is something that um, that you know sort of delivers right on the first page uh, we're, we're right there with you and and I love that as you're with um, as you're with your grandfather we start off in the cemetery I love that we start off driving I love the joke that like you know the best part about learning to drive in the cemetery is that everybody's already dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, my grandfather, you know, I was the I was the sixth kid that he raised and he yeah, he taught all of his kids to drive in a cemetery because everybody's already did. The, the irony, though, is that same cemetery where he taught me how to drive. There are signs posted uh, stating no driving lessons are allowed because uh, uh, apparently lessons. apparently my grandfather wasn't the only one giving lessons there. <laughs> and some years ago. A, a teenager who was not adept at driving uh, plowed over a couple of uh, tombstones. So, oh no, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so now you can no longer learn to drive in that cemetery. Well, I I feel like there's so much that goes on throughout this book that we will talk about later. But to, just to set it up, um, this imagery of being in a cemetery, of being surrounded by death, of by other people's lives, of by other people's stories, how they lived their life, how that end of their life was reached. I feel like so much of that ties throughout your own story, throughout uh, when you're dealing with addiction and not not knowing where your mom is, whether or not your mom is surviving. Um, in some ways, feeling like certain family members have already passed on to you. They don't have importance in your life in the moment that we're seeing it. I just felt like that was something that stuck with me throughout the story. And uh, it was something that I was grateful to have in my, in my subconscious as I read through. Oh, thank you. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it's a very different, very, very different book for me in regards to just the, the, you know, the, the deeper themes and, and the subject matter. And, you know, and, and of course my grandmother's salty language as well. Oh my word. Yeah. We're going to get a little salty on this podcast because the pages that I've earmarked to share, uh, have a whole lot of voice going on voice that I can tell these clearly are the voices that raised you that were in your life growing up because of how vividly you appear to have held on to them. <laughs> yes, uh, I have so, definitely held on so to them fun. vividly for sure. <laughs> um so let me let me backtrack though, Jarrett, to ask um why tell your story? I can understand the comics medium, the graphic medium. Uh, I love your work with Jedi Academy being a graphic hybrid. I love Lunch Lady. I think I've told you before that that was the first book that my son, the first like big book, Beyond Picture book, that my son ever read with me cover to cover. And I was oh, like, that's we a did huge like honor. 120 pages, Lunch Lady. And we just burned through this series. But that comics have, have, be, have been a special part in his life because that's where he's found his identity as a reader. And so in that way, his life is now inextricably linked to your to your work that's but, very cool but but to approach y- your own story this story of survival this story that goes to dark places the story that would that would require you 
to rehash those dark places and to go there. Why go there for you, Jarrett? Like why why go why go there and to create this? Well, you know, I yeah. Why not keep the story to yourself? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, I'm grateful I mean, you didn't, I, but it yeah. was a choice. It would have been easier for me too. You know, I mean, definitely would have been easier, regardless of you know all the wonderful things that are happening around the book. It would have been easier for me not to make this book and not to have to talk about the kind of things over and over again. Um, so I, but I had been thinking about it. Uh, in the early 2000s, so I I, I received the fr- my first book contract uh, just as 99 turned into 2000, just around that time, and 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 so for for some time I thought that was that was the happy ending for this kid who, you know, who always loved to draw. Now he, you know, but he had all this chaos happening around him, and um, and and just because it was a compelling story, like that was the motivation of like oh, this is now this is like a very compelling story to share, but. I would constantly hesitate and worry about what people would think. So then I, I didn't write the book. Um, but it was after I delivered, uh, you know, what I, what I call an accidental TED talk. And that happened in 2012, where it was just a Friday in October. And um, I got a phone call around noon. And it was the, the producers of the TEDx talks over at Hampshire College, which, which is just a couple towns over. And they said, hey, we had a cancellation. Could you fill in? And me thinking, oh, is that like next week? And they said, no, it's tonight. <laughs> so that, 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 that first TED Talk that I gave, I really only had from the time I was asked to do that talk to the time that I sat down in the theater and the program started, um, it was about f- four hours. And, <laughs> um, and it was a tight turnaround time. And, it was, and so, I, so it was my wife, Gina, who, who encouraged me to talk about my childhood because it was a compelling story. And I talked about, you know, not only my grandparents, but all of the teachers that helped me along the way. But um, it, was, it was the response I got at school. So that, that talk ended up going viral. And at every school I went to as an author with, you know, my Lunch Lady books or, or Platypus Police Squad or picture books, I... Every school I went to, I, uh, an adult would pull me aside and say, "We have like, we have a kid or kids at the school that are dealing just with what you dealt with. They have a parent who's incarcerated, they have a parent who's dealing with addiction, they uh, are living with an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent." And it really hit me because it wouldn't matter if it was a school that was ninety nine percent free and reduced lunch, or if it was a private school that was that had an extraordinarily high tuition uh, and it wouldn't matter if I was uh, you know in, in an area that was farmlands or suburbia or or an inner city area it ha- was everywhere and so there is a switch that happened where I thought oh this is kind of a story I always thought that I would want to write and it became no this is a story that I, I need to write you know I I've lived this, the same experience that they have and I have a very unique way to tell this story you know I could tell this story in a, a format that is very approachable, that they feel very comfortable with. Yes. I, can, I could use that format to really communicate through the visuals some of the aspects that uh, I wouldn't necessarily be able to as effectively communicate with prose only. Um, I could have areas where I have a more heavy on the prose that will be able to more effectively communicate the story than the, than the, than the art would. Um, and so, so around 2012, uh, I, you know, I started talking to various publishers about it. And I think, let me see if I could do it, maybe 2014, early 2014, uh, the, what was then called Untitled Memoir uh, okay. ended, up, ended up at Graphics. It's okay. Classic. At the time that it was Untitled Memoir, did you have – did you have um, – the full manuscript written or was it just a, a, a sort of a pitch a summary like how how fleshed out was this by that it point? was I mean, clearly you were you were thinking it was on your mind in book format for a number of years by that point but yeah you know. I had a, you know I had a number of notes to myself so so you know formally what I what I shared was um, a 10 it was a 10 page pitch mm. and it was uh, this the scene that opens towards the end of the book where it says, when I was a kid, I try to get attention from my family, and it's me in preschool drawing, 
and then you go for you and then you go from that to the middle school Jarrett and then that to the high school Jarrett drawing including the artwork I made as a kid that that was actually in the original pitch um that wasn't in the first draft but then my editor David Leverton later said hey like part of the reason why I picked up this book was that sequence so we, we need to get that back in the book um <laughs> and so it was those three pages it was a it was a letter for me it was a synopsis and it was two or three pages of uh, graphic novel pages to show like this this is what a, a graphic novel for this age group of this sort of subject matter would look like because you know if you just said oh the lunch lady guy is going to do a story about his mother's heroin addiction you know you you might not be able to to visually see beyond the art style of the lunch lady book and think that's that's not going to work <laughs> that is not going to be the appropriate art style for this <laughs> um, and um and so it was a number of years of um you know starting and stopping the the um the first draft and 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 you know trying to take 17 years worth of memories and now 40 years worth of perspective and make it be a book that's not 700 pages long um and you know originally this book was supposed to come out in fall 2017 so when we signed it up my contract probably says it was going to be published fall 2017 but it was just pretty clear like that that first draft that rough draft it just still wasn't there and it still wasn't there and there wasn't gonna be enough time to give it the adequate amount of time to um edit and then execute the final artwork and this is very different from, say, the middle grade series that I've been working on for these various projects. And, and in, in that case, for those middle grade books, when you have a series, you know, sometimes it's two books a year, but it's definitely not more than a year between titles. For, to for keep the like, series going. Yeah, of course. To keep the series going because that, that age group, they're going to age out of it pretty quickly. So from a business standpoint, you know, the publisher wants you to get those books out at a, at a fairly quick clip. Um, and, and, and with the, with the memoir, I, you know, I realize this is my only time to tell the story and there's, there's no rush, like there's no rush to get this out. Like it, it'll, we'll, we'll set the publishing date when I'm ready, like when, when it, when, when it's ready. And, and, um, and so the first, when I first title, I know I have to look and go through some papers in my studios. I think I have like a whole page worth of a certain title ideas, but the original title, everyone hated. My wife hated it. My editor disliked <laughs> it. Um, and the the first the first title was called "To the Moon and Back," because to that was something my grandmother would always say. "I love you to the moon and back." And I was putting even more Worcester history in this book. So I grew up in Worcester, Mass. Robert Goddard, who's the father of the modern rocket. Uh, lived in Worcester. He grew. Up, he was raised up the street from where I was raised. Um, so I was kind of relying too heavily on that motif. And also, my my birth mother wasn't in that first draft all that much. Uh, and it was my my editor who really really pushed me to to include her more and and come up with some memories to to put in there for her. And um, it was actually the letters that my mother wrote me when she was incarcerated when I was a kid that lent uh, the inspiration for the title because throughout throughout these letters, the expressions, hey kiddo, or well kiddo, or hi kiddo, are, are, th- are throughout these letters she wrote. And now a word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. A special thank you to our friends at the Highlights Foundation, who host intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators. The Highlights Foundation offers more than 40 workshops each year for adults interested in writing and illustrating for children and young adult audiences. The workshops are held at their beautiful retreat center in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. You can also visit their campus for an unworkshop and have your own creative retreat with cozy, private lodging and three meals a day. 
Come alone or bring your critique group. You're sure to feel inspired. Register now for Getting to Know Your Novel. Spend six weeks with the online course, then take a month to work on your novel and finish the course with a retreat at the Highlights Foundation. This online, in-person course gives you the time and teaching you need to really get to know your novel. Check out highlightsfoundation.org for details. I want to say, um, I'm finding, I'm flipping through the beginning, um, that there is something incredibly satisfying about the first time a reader reads the name of the book in, 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 in the text. I just when when I think the first person, I might be wrong, but I think the first person that says, Hey kiddo is your grandfather. Yeah. And my, that's an expression my grandfather would use quite a bit too. Yeah. So that's, you, you get that for sure in the dialogue as well. So to, to, to give the title, I mean, I'm sure all of this thinking was behind it, but to give that, the title of the book back to him to give those words back to him. And it always does feel like a place of love that it comes from. Same with when the letters come from your mom and we're seeing that over and over it as a reader, I can say that whenever that word was used, I felt the affection and sort of the, the, the protection of you Jared in the story of you childhood Jared being raised that I when I heard that word I felt like okay we're still okay because there's some stuff <laughs> that goes through here where I'm not gonna lie I mean I, I I know you and I felt like I should call Jared is he okay and I think because there were just like empathy things that were like triggering in me in a in a, in a yeah. beautiful way but it it was causing me I mean I okay let me say two things so that we come back to the one uh, for sure, we need to talk about David Levithan. We have to. I want. I yes. can't wait to talk about David. So we will talk about your editor. We absolutely will. But one of the things that that really was for me personally the most affecting, and I realized how much I was putting myself onto your story and what readers will uh, inevitably inevitably do as well. But for me, it was in your nightmares. These awful, awful nightmares that reoccur for you. Um. However, they're meant to be interpreted by you and in the context of your life, I found that I was sort of experiencing them through the lens of my own childhood. And, and, and you, the, you, did you have really like anxious nightmares when you were a kid? Yes. Yeah. And and so perhaps feeling that was making me also that that empathic feeling, that empathic experience that I was having of. I think I know some of these feelings, not going through the same thing, but uh, I think that's what was causing me to, to feel drawn closer to you, uh, <clears throat> the child on the page, yeah. going through this. And so you know I... It's, yeah. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was I, literally... I just... It, it's dumb. I just want to say thank you. Because <laughs> Which that was... interesting. It, it, it's it was interesting just a space to me too, because I just went so specific and... Uh, you know, details about my specific experience. And what's wild is how, I guess when you get so specific, it becomes universal, you know, where you experience that as those, those sort of dreams as well. Yeah. Um, our, our, our middle child has, for the past years, had some really intense nightmares, and she, she isn't able to fully, um, you know, put them into words. But one night she came in, she did say that she, had a, she was having a nightmare that, zombies were, were coming to get her and kill her. And I was like, oh, geez, like she hasn't even read this book yet. She's just, it just must be hereditary from, you know, mm. to to be, you know, both sort of like anxious and then also creative. It's just going to be a tough mix, I suppose. Jared, can I, do you mind if I read before we talk about David? Do you mind if I just read an excerpt to illustrate yeah, what do. we're sharing? So yeah. um, early on, you've got this lovely memory of your mom that is just so sweet and I feel like something that is also a universal but what I why I'm reading this is to is because of the juxtaposition between what I'm about to read and that on the page turn is the first time we see this nightmare um you write this is uh young young Jarrett in bed with mama you write when I grow up I want to marry you and mom says silly boy you can't marry your mama but why not I love you 
And she says, and I love you. And I always will, no matter what. But someday you'll meet a girl and forget all about me. Will not. And we go through sort of this this flash of memories, uh, uh, closeness from your childhood, almost uh, almost photographs of your childhood, uh, of playing with these Sesame Street toys, of being in the bath, of eating the marshmallows last in your cereal. But on the page turn, the page is just fully awash in black. And it says, I had this reoccurring dream when I was a kid. I was in the middle of a field, and there were these monsters surrounding me on all sides, creeping in from the woods. But if I looked at them, stared them right down, they'd freeze. The only problem was that every time I froze a monster with my eye contact, another monster would creep up behind me. And you go on to say about spinning and turning, and every time you would look, the others behind them would creep up. And then this nightmare comes back throughout the book. Um, and that sort of, to me, was was a theme running through the story of these moments of, of great safety and comfort and stability juxtaposed with um, those feelings of, of panic, of anxiety, of fear, of worry. Well, and you know, and that's just sort of why this format was, was perfect for the story, because like you said, the yeah. page turn and yeah. it's, and it's funny. So, you know, every book that I've ever made up to this point, has prepared me for this book. So like all of that work with, with picture books and monkey boy and punk farm and worrying about the page turn, all, all of that has, um, you know, set me up for this. You know, I call it the, the sort of hand on the doorknob moment where when you get to the bottom right hand of the, of the, of the open spread, you know, if, if I ever have a character that's going to open a door and they're worried about finding a treasure or revealing a monster, you, you don't, open the door on that spread you have the character's hand on the doorknob and you turn the page and and then the reader is there um to see what's going to be revealed on the other side of that door as, as you turn the page this is i think you just summed in metaphor why to me graphic novels are one of the most powerful formats for storytelling because of that control that you uh are exhibiting on the page, but that you also hand off to the reader. Because now for the reader, you're reading this story, you're reading the illustrations as long as you need to, you're reading what's going on in between the panels as long as you need to, and when you're ready, you flip forward or you flip back. You can replay those moments. Um, and it's done beautifully. Let me let me hop now. Let me get into uh, speaking with you about David Levithan, because I know, I know he had quite a hand in helping to make this story what it is. And I loved the way you put it that one day on social media, I think it was, but it, it really struck me that there's something really special that went on here between, uh, your role in living this story and telling it and David's role in helping to make sure the story was told. Yeah, David, I mean, David also, he wrote the subtitle for the book. So, you know, the book was called Hey Kiddo. And like, like because of my career, we, we didn't want people going into this thinking it was going to be middle grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also because graphic memoir is so big in, in, in middle grade, uh, we wanted to have a subtitle that would would just say, hey, this is for this is for older, older kids. So at, at any rate, um what I realized is like, you know, David is an old friend. He's also one of my favorite authors. So I'd be getting, hmm. you know, editorial letters from my favorite author, who's also a friend. <laughs> uh, but David, David and I have been friends since 2003. We were, we met when we were, uh, you know, we were both on tour in the same city and we, uh, his editor uh, was uh, someone I knew from, from, from the publisher that was publishing my picture books. And um, so we all had dinner in Philadelphia and, and David and I really hit it off. And then I, I would see him at book festivals or library conferences. And we'd always get together uh, and catch up on life. And in 2006 or 2007, or 2007, I think it was, he, um, he had me write a short story for uh, an ill-fated young adult anthology. He had this young adult anthology he was trying to put together. He got some people to write short stories for it. Um, 
and it was cool because I I always I had I had always wanted to sort of write for for young adults even then like I was wanting to write for older readers, and so I tried my hand at just and this was just a, a short story that was just prose prose only, and um, so the anthology didn't work out. But David was was taken by my voice and complimented me on on the voice that I was able to achieve in in that short story and. Um, I told him, like, I always want to write young adult. And so I would see him at different conferences going forward. And he would ask me if I had written my young adult novel yet. And I hadn't. And then he just got really, he started getting fed up with me. So um, <laughs> he, he kind of laid down the gauntlet and said, okay, here's the deal. If here, this is, this is how it's going to go. Like, next time I see you, I'm going to ask you if you've written your young adult novel yet, if you started. And if the answer is no, then you have to give me $5. And then the next time I see you, if the enters no again, it's going to double and it will double and it will double and it will double. So, yes, I saw David. I hadn't started writing. I handed him five bucks. I saw David again. I hadn't started writing. I gave him ten dollars. And at one point I'd give him twenty dollars. And then at one point I give him forty dollars. Um, but then I started working, working on this book and uh, just real serendipity that he ended up being the editor for this book um you know i hadn't i hadn't worked with graphics before and i i would just started doing some uh, you know i had signed on to do the jedi academy books for scholastic but that wasn't public news yet like the first book hadn't been out yet it was all everything was all in the works so so i started doing you know started working on the jedi academy books as uh david acquired the memoir for for graphics at scholastic and you know, it, it needed to be somebody who knew me that well, somebody who knew the way I would reply to a statement or the way if he would say your mother and I would emphasize in my reply, Leslie, and I wouldn't correct him. But through my body language or through my tone of voice, he mm. picked up on things that maybe someone else wouldn't have if they didn't know me as well. Um, and so he, you know, my my first so we, the book opens with that 17 year old narrator. Yeah. Well, I guess I should say not 17. He's really uh, 16 then because he's learning to drive, but he, he'll turn 17. Cause... So anyways, that teenage Jarrett, the older teenage Jarrett, um, that character, it's weird because it's me, but I'll say the Jarrett character, every other chapter was coming back to that 16, 17-year-old Jarrett. And every other chapter was a flashback. And it was very confu- it was sort of confusing uh, for the reader. And so David, David was like a really, and it's really, I mean, it's funny because he does in real life, but he's like a really good, he made a really good mix CD and he makes really good mix CDs in real life too, <laughs> because what he did was he put together this great playlist based on all the stuff I had already written and said, no, I think this is how you should organize it. I think you should be, start with that 17 year, 16 year old narrator because, um, that way the teenagers will be able to identify that will will know who's telling the story. Um, but it, it needs to be more linear. And then, and then I, I went back even further instead of just starting when I was born, starting when my grandparents met in high school yes. um, to give more humanity to the people who were dealing with the addictions themselves to show that they were kids, to show that they were people to show that something happened in one way or another. And they, they started you know, drinking too much or using, and then it just all fell to hell from there. And now a brief word from our sponsors. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Storyteller Academy, Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast are invited to a free mini-class. Enroll today at www.storytelleracademy.com wonder, or click on the Storyteller Academy banner at matthewcwinner.com podcast. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Gallery Nucleus, an art gallery and bookstore where you can find prints, books, and other gifts from some of your favorite children's book illustrators like John Clausen, Christian Robinson, and more. Gallery Nucleus is offering listeners 15% off your next purchase by entering in the promo code WONDER18. 
Visit gallerynucleus.com to discover more or click on the Gallery Nucleus banner at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. I, I love the lineage. I love that context. I also love Joe, but surely, <laughs> surely the voice, I mean, come, I just, ah, you're right. I mean, I'm talking about them because they're characters in the book, but I'm also very aware that they are human beings <laughs> that, that live totally their life weird. with you. Yeah. It's that's totally weird. weird. It's so weird. Um, <laughs> it really is. It really is weird. Um, and I and I and I've seen some glimmers of people saying that like, like catching themselves and really yeah. oh well, these are real people. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, well, yeah, the... no, and it's and it's a gift to share them with the world and, um, you know, to to pre- present them on the page as as they were in life. You know, uh, I think, I think before this book, people thought, oh, what a beautiful story the grandparents took him, problem solved. but i like though that in this editing i like in this editing in this playlist in this way that it was laid out that we the reader know as much as that childhood that like 16 year old ish Jarrett. that like i guess it was a little bit before that but not knowing not knowing about leslie not knowing the truth about leslie not being in Jared's life and having having that talk that moment that yeah, moment so like, where Jared's like we're going to Disney World again uh yeah. and it's no we need to have a family talk that moment that reveal I realized really sat heavy with me upon the second or third time when I read it I realized that why it had sat so heavy the the first time was that we didn't really know we were like guessing at there must be something wrong but right, right. even as an adult I don't quite know i can infer from the title and i can infer from whatever but to 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 realize the weight of it and then you sort of as as the the phrase goes you sort of open the floodgates to show us and to show you childhood you just how bad it's been and how you really could not it would not have been an option for you to be with her um it it that that was really all of it jared has has been done just so effectively and i can see thank you david's hand in it and it's it it, it just is beautiful to the the i'm not going to be able to forget this idea of a playlist uh because the way <laughs> because the way this book was mixed uh the, yeah, the beats it was that it mixed hits perfectly it, it is it, it really it makes sense yep yeah it makes sense um do you, can we not for levity's sake but just to make sure we get voice in here because david was complimenting the voice in you you're writing from before uh would you mind uh if we if we read a little bit of um of shirley and of um <laughs> specifically uh getting a pet oh yes absolutely. because that's <laughs> that's so so good for voice um i wonder do you have a you don't have a copy of the book in front of you do you Yes, I have a copy right here. <laughs> well, if you don't mind, um, no. I believe it's an it's an unnumbered page, but I believe it's like page one eleven. Um, okay. It's you know just flip to the page that I dog eared. <laughs> That's the page there, <laughs> among the many. Oh, the it was one of my dog ears. Um, you know it's my copy when I dog ear it because I wouldn't dare ever do that anywhere else. But um, I, if you don't mind, if this is not too presumptuous, no, I, I would love to hear you read. <laughs> Voice. I'll read. I'll read. I'll read both Shirley and Joe, and uh, you can be the narrator and the the Jared character. I would love that. Okay, are you ready to go? Do you have the page? I have. Let's read right this here. whole. Yep. We'll read this whole spread. Here we go. Um, eventually, the bandage came off, and life. This is, I should say, first. You, <laughs> you experienced an injury, <laughs> a very unfortunate injury, in an escalator. We are post escalator yes. I- injury. <laughs> And next time I see you, uh, I'm happy to show you uh, the scar. The scar. I have a scar. I've met you and have never my... noticed a scar. <laughs> I have a scar on the inside of my uh, right hand middle finger from that escalator incident. So good. That image in the book of like <laughs> the unfortunate. The uh, It certainly made school interesting is the word you say. <laughs> it just has a picture of you with the, with the bandage. So good. Okay. On then the flip page. Huh. Eventually, the bandage came off, and life returned to our version of normal. Pat's family is getting a dog. 
Can we get a dog? Oh, no. I hate dogs. They scare me. They could bite me. They could bite you. They could bite somebody walking by the house. But you used to have a dog. That was L.A. He was different. My grandfather says, you'd make him scrambled eggs. Yeah, that stupid dog that your brother sent home from California. What about a cat? Cats are awful. They just piss and shit everywhere. (laughs) Come on. I really want a pet. I promise. I'd take care of it all by myself. Animals just scare me. No. A hamster? And then my grandfather says, sure. And then there's a wordless uh, panel of my grandmother looking very cross. And then in the next panel, we see uh, me and my grandparents are leaving the pet store. Joe looks content. I look elated holding a a, a hamster in a little cage. Shirley looks, as she would describe herself as Terras, and she says, (laughs) if you don't take care of it, I'll flush it down the goddamn toilet, which is something that she often threatened to do to my hamster if I wasn't taking care of it. Oh, so good. That is a memory. (laughs) That is a memory. I'm so glad that memory made it in here. (laughs) <laughs> oh, you know, I'll tell you what didn't make it. So there was a second hamster named Monday. Uh, I did I it did not have the same kinship as as with Rusty, and and Rusty died, in, in the middle of a winter, and and Rusty Rusty lived for like almost like a year and a half. That's a really long time for a hamster, and I was always really bitter and angry that uh, he didn't get a proper burial. He was just thrown in the trash, as you learn in the book. Um, And so the day Rusty died, and I was hysterical. I was so upset. Um, uh, They, I think it was like that day, or maybe even the next day. But it was, it was just too soon. They, they brought me to get another uh, hamster, and um, that hamster was named Monday because it was on Monday that I got the hamster, and and it was just, it didn't have the same personality. Monday bit me, you know, Rusty and I were pals. We had matching scars. We'd go for walks. Monday was not having that. And um, so we got Monday in the winter. And then that summer I was cleaning out his cage and I had this smaller cage that had, um, you know, it was just like a clear plastic cage. And I put, it was summer and I put it on the front porch in the shade and I hosed off Monday's cage in the back uh, and I was letting it dry. And I went for a walk to the arcades but by the time I came back from the arcades, I had been gone playing video games so long, the sun shifted, and Monday was no longer in the shade, and and Monday I, I accidentally killed him. <laughs> and oh so, no! You cooked and him. So, <laughs> and uh, he and Monday got a proper burial, and I remember being so bitter that Monday got a proper burial. And years later, I'm talking like my grandfather's <laughs> end of life. Years later, uh, my grandfather said, "You know." You know you killed the hamster, right? Like I didn't want to say anything then, but you know, you know, you know. I said yes, no. I, I put two and two together, <laughs> eventually. And that's a uh, tough thing about the book. Like there are so many other, you know, memories that you would want to put in there, but I, you know, I didn't want to put out a book that was, you know, five hundred pages. And also, like, you know, what one hamster story that seems like the right amount of hamster stories for. It's like, <laughs> um, there, there is so much endless stuff to talk about in here, Jared. And I, uh, watching our time, uh, realizing that I'm going to have to save it for another day, save it for when I see you, or more importantly, just save it for me, for my experience as a reader. But um, before we go, two things in the book that I wanted to reference before, uh, before walking away from it were um, the way that you introduce uh your leslie's addiction the way you introduce the addiction to one let me just say like for you to for you to even acknowledge that what a miracle it was that you weren't born addicted was something that i thought this is going to be revelatory to people that read this because i never even occurred to me to think that and then to put it plainly on the paper i'm it it stopped me as a good graphic novel does that panel completely held me but um you also um sort of on that same spot uh leslie has written a a letter to to mom and dad to your grandparents uh and and your uh text says my mother started using when she was just 13 years old joe and cheryl tried to help her 
but things just got worse and worse for everyone. And the the layout of the picture, the layout of the, the spread is that uh, you, you've reproduced these two sheets of paper that she wrote on and around it is sort of a montage of these illustrations of Leslie getting into trouble, if you will. And then there's some text that you add. Um, and that to me really struck me that at that moment, it struck me that you potentially are naming the age of your reader while you're saying Leslie went through this and I was affected. Um, naming right. your reader, naming that place. And that to me, it, it, again, it just, it, 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 it shook me. It woke me up in a way that um, I wasn't ready for, but that I deeply valued. I love that books, you know, talk to children or portray characters often that are the same age as their reader or a little older than their reader. But here to have the mother character be to have Leslie, not the mother character. I'm doing it again to have <laughs> Leslie be the age of your reader was just that it was shocking and powerful. Oh, I'm, gl- I'm glad it was. And that's, and that's a tricky thing too, where some people say, um, you know, w- when is the right time to introduce difficult stories to kids? Um, and the trouble is, is that kids are dealing with difficult truths all the time. And, you know, there's some conversation of like, oh, is, would this book be appropriate for a 13-year-old? And it's like, well, I know I know a 13-year-old who started using drugs and it ruined the rest of her life. You know, and, I, and not only do I hope to um, give, a, give a, a sense of visibility to the kids who have addiction in their families, but also a concrete example of like why drugs are bad because i think the public service announcements that that i grew up with that i i I reference in the book were sort of vague you know just say no or there's a frying pan with drugs or the one that really negatively affected me was that one with the the teenage kid he's in his room and the, the dad comes in and says where did you get this stuff and the where'd you get these, you know, the drugs and the kid says you all right i learned it from watching you and then the voiceover says parents who use drugs have children who use drugs and now as an adult i'm thinking like why did they play that commercial during saturday morning cartoons yeah like they should have been that should have been targeted towards the adults right that was a commercial that i remember and i thought why do i remember that yeah yeah because we yeah there was on we were were not the people that needed to hear that or unless you were trying to tell me that like hey kid you're considering drugs have you ever thought that maybe your parents do um, yeah, <laughs> like that's yeah, maybe an parent, awful, maybe your, awful reverse check, psychology. <laughs> yeah, check underneath your parents' bed. You you might find some stuff. <laughs> Ugh, awful. Well, we we made it out alive, but um, goodness, um, we made it out. You made it out through through language like this that I want to end with, and then I'm going to ask you just to maybe consider while I while I read this, Jared, if there's anything that I didn't bring up that you want listeners to know anything we didn't talk about that you want to make sure you share with people listening about the book, the process, the relationships. I want to give you a chance to share it. Here is the wisdom I wanted to end um, my reflection on. And this is when uh, at a point in your life, when you were frustrated at the school you want that you were going to, you wanted to attend South, but you were at another mm-hmm. school where you were just being bullied, where things were not going your way. Um, and um, and Joe and Cheryl are in this scene, and, and you start by saying, all of my friends are there going to South. I wouldn't be constantly bullied. Holy name is filled with a bunch of assholes. And Joe says, well, I hate to tell you, kid, the world is filled with assholes. And you know what? Sometimes when you talk to assholes, you get shit on. Just try to focus on the good aspects. And you say, there are are no good aspects and Cheryl says uh, uh, look if somebody starts making fun of you just look them right in the eyes and say go shit in your hat <laughs> and that, that to me that is sound advice for those readers both and I gotta say both of those expressions have carried me through life <laughs> to this day I'm grateful, Jarrett, for the for for all of yourself that you committed to this story. Is there anything else you wanted to make sure uh, was shared b- 
before uh, we give that last message to your readers? I don't know that we are going to come up with any better way to end this conversation than Uh, those two expressions. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Well, then let me turn you directly to those readers that you will see. Uh, And even though mine are a different age, I know there's something here for all ages. Let me ask you, Jared, I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I would say to them to uh you know whatever whatever they have going on at home to continue to use books as an escape portal you know um sometimes books are serious but sometimes books are really silly and that's great it's great to have moments of levity in life and and so whatever books that they're gravitating towards embrace that This is Kate Narita, fourth grade teacher and author of the book, 100 Bugs, Accounting Book. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and helping keep the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny Sue, Amy, Kate, Darshana, Nicole, Jarrett, Mike, Link, Anitra, Lynn, Cynthia, Doug, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Judy, Karina, Teresa, Elaine, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You are welcome to join us. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cosy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.